0: Let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Okay, the title there is on the screen. It's called Three Angels Before the End. I'd like to start with Revelation, chapter 1, and just look at the very first sentence. Revelation, chapter 1, the very first line of the book. The book starts out by saying that this is the revelation of who? of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. We know that. It is the greatest book on prophecy that's ever been written, ever in the history of this world. It's the book end of the Bible, the last book. Some people think, well, let's just talk about Jesus. We don't need revelation. But the first sentence of the book of Revelation Tells us that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I understand that to mean that revelation comes from Jesus. It reveals Jesus, it is centered in Jesus. And so it is a false dichotomy to say, let's just focus on Jesus and let's not focus on the book of Revelation because revelation comes from Jesus. Jesus has given us this book to help us to understand the issues that we need to understand, especially as we are right before his return. Now, when you look at the book, and there's a lot in this book, there's a whole host of things, there's churches and trumpets and seals and a final conflict, Armageddon, the second coming, the new earth. There's a whole host of things inside this book that are very, very powerful. But as I've studied this, I've, done, I've been reading Revelation for 36 years, I've concluded that the heart of the book is Revelation chapter 14. It's the heart of it. It's the heartbeat of this entire book. Revelation chapter 14, because the, the themes and the truths that are described in Revelation 14 are the final themes that the world is dealing with and that swirl around the people of God at the very end of time. Revelation 14, uh, verses 6 to 12, describes three angels. Three angels. We're We're familiar with this. In my Bible, and I've got a New King James Bible, it says above verse 6, there's a headline there. This is the proclamation of the three angels. So the idea of three angels is not just something that we made up. It's right here in the revelation of Jesus Christ. It comes from Jesus. These messages come from him. They come from the Lord. Now, it's significant that right after the three angels' messages are given in verses 6 and 7, 8, and then 9 through 12, when they're done, something big happens. And what is that something big? That something big is Jesus Christ's return. He comes back. You can see that in chapter 14, verse 14. 14, 14 says, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud one sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And uh, at the end of verse 15, it says he's told to reap because the harvest of the earth is ripe. The ripening of the earth, the ripening of the harvest. And then Jesus puts in his sickle and he reaps the harvest of the earth. This is his return. This is his second coming. This is the final division of the two groups. Those that are ready and those that are not. The wheat and the tares. So I just want you to, to get this. That in your Bible and in my Bible and in everybody's Bible, whatever translation you have, all Bibles have three angels in Revelation 14, 6 to 12, and then verses 14 to 16, followed by the return of Christ. Do you see that point? And this tells us that the three angels' messages go to the whole world right before Jesus comes. And to me, that is extremely significant. This information comes from Jesus himself. Now, look at these quotations. A couple quotes here on the screen. Volume 9 of the Testimonies, page 19. This is a statement that Ellen White made approximately 100 years ago. She said this. In a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. To them has been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. On them is shining wonderful light from where? From the word of God. Where do we find the three angels' messages? In the word of God, right? And we have wonderful light shining from the word of God. They have been given a work of the most solemn import, the proclamation of the first, second, and third angel's messages. There is no other work of so great importance. They are allowed nothing else to absorb their attention. Now, that is a very powerful statement. Uh, My conviction is that God raised up Ellen White to point us to the Bible and to show us what we should be doing because it's in the Bible. Now, uh, this, is, this may sound like a, a narrow-minded statement to some, but it is a fact. I'm going to tell you a fact. It may not be politically correct, but it's a fact. There is no other church, there is no other movement on planet Earth anywhere anywhere that is a worldwide movement that is focusing on and communicating the three angels' messages as described in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 12. It's a fact. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a lot of good Christians in the world in lots of churches. 7th the Adventists believe there's lots of Christians in lots of churches that are going to heaven. We don't believe we're the only Christians, that's for sure. But just as God raised up Noah and gave him a message, just as God raised up John the Baptist and gave him a message, just as God raised up Martin Luther and gave him a message, raised up William Miller and gave him a message, God has raised up Seventh-day Adventists in a special sense and given them a message that he he uh, has not given as a people, to any other church on this planet. There's no other church that's doing it, no other. Doesn't make us any better than anybody else, it just means we are a called people. We are called like Israel was called to give this message. And we, we need to be faithful to the calling that God has given to us as a church. Are you following me? Now here's another quotation, one more, and then we're going to actually go right into the Bible and read those messages. Uh, Early Writings, page 256. This was one of Ellen White's early books. She said that these messages, referring to the three angels, these messages were represented to me as an anchor to the people of God. Those who understand, we need to understand them, and receive them, It's one thing to just know about them in your head and it's another thing to actually receive them into your soul. And receive them, they will be kept from being swept away by the many delusions of Satan. Now now that is a very impressive statement. She says that she uh, she was shown that it was represented to her that the three angels' messages are our anchor. That if we are rooted and grounded, if we receive them, if we understand them, then we will be protected from being swept away by the many delusions of Satan. How many delusions does the devil have? He's got delusions all around the world. It's not just the emerging church. That's one delusion, which I talked about last night. Uh, There's a lot of delusions. The religion of Islam, although there's lots of good Muslim people, that religion is a delusion. It is. It's not politically correct to tell you that, but that's the fact. I mean, the terrorists that are doing what they're doing, what's motivating them? their religion. It's their book, the Quran, that was uh, started by a man named Muhammad. That's what's driving them. And that Quran does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, denies that. It's a delusion. There are lots of delusions, many religions that are delusions. Many winds of doctrine that are blowing that are delusions. Outside the church, inside the church, there are many delusions of the devil. And they're going to increase as we get closer to the end. And the only safeguard that we have, the anchor to our souls, to our families, to your soul, to my soul, that anchor is the three angels' messages. And the devil hates them. And I'm positive the devil hates me talking about this right now. He does not want me here. He doesn't want me talking about this. He doesn't want you listening to this. But it's in the Bible. And again, my point is that these three angels' messages are in this book, are they not? They're in the Word of God. They're described in Revelation 14 as occurring right before the return of Jesus and the harvest. And these messages are not separate from Jesus, but they actually come from Jesus because the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. They're his messages to you and to me. Are you following me? All right, now let's, uh, let's just in the time that we have, I don't have two hours, I won't keep you here that long, but let's just do a brief review of the three angels' messages. This is what I really want to focus on. I'm convinced that if we are grounded in these messages, we'll be kept safe. We won't be blown away, like the wind, whoosh, swept out to sea by the many delusions of the devil. Revelation 14, verse 6, John said, Then I saw another angel. The word angel means messenger. He saw a messenger flying in the midst of heaven. And the midst of heaven means center stage. And he has the everlasting, what? The everlasting gospel. Now, the word gospel means good news. And I, again, I appreciate your song that you sang a little while ago. And, and what really—the the part that really s- struck me about your song—and what's your name again? Geraldine. 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 Thank you. Sorry. Uh, what I appreciate about your song, Geraldine—the the whole song was beautiful—but that one line, that within the dark streets of Bethlehem shines the everlasting light wow, that just really moved my soul that the one that was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago was the everlasting light. I've been recently doing uh, some real study on, on scriptures in the New Testament to talk about Jesus as of the Christ. And I've concluded that Jesus, the name Jesus is his earthly name. But the Christ has to do with his divinity. That he is God in human form. He is Jesus the Christ. And there is is none other. There is no one. Not Muhammad. Not Buddha. Not Confucius. There's no rabbi. There's no pastor. There's no priest. There's no pope. There's nobody who is it. It. The one other than Jesus, the Christ. He's the one that came down here. He's the one that lived a holy life. He's the one that suffered in the garden and paid the price. And the first angel's message has the everlasting gospel, the good news of Jesus, to preach to those who dwell upon the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, in other words, this is, this is supposed to go to the whole world. And the foundation of the first angel, and thus of the three angels, is Jesus himself. And, and I want to I tell you something that's very, very important. Don't forget this, that God has no message that he will ever send to his world that does not have Jesus Christ in the middle of it. There's a lot of winds blowing these days. A lot of messages that are confronting us and appealing to us. And if Jesus himself is not in the middle of that message, it does not come from God. And the three angels' messages, they come from Jesus. It's from the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the first angel, before he even says a word... Before he even speaks in verse seven, he doesn't even, hasn't even opened his mouth yet, it says that he has the everlasting gospel. So I put here on my screen here, there's three angels, there's the world, and there it says believe in Jesus, Revelation 14, verse six. How important is this? How widespread is this? It's supposed to go to the whole world. Every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, global. God has a global plan and a global passion to get the message of Jesus out all over the planet. And that is the foundation of the first angel's message. Then he says, verse seven, with a loud voice. He opens his mouth and he begins to speak. Now, what do you think the significance is of, uh, of a loud voice? Okay, uh, does, does, does it doesn't mean people have to be shouting. I'm not much of a shouter. I'm not like some of the black preachers. <laughs> They've got stronger voices than I do. Not to say that's wrong, but I'm, I'm generally more on the quiet side. I need a microphone. Um, I don't think it means decibels. It's not talking about literal, loud screaming. It means clear, distinct, powerful, unquestionable. That's the message of the three angels, loud voice. And then the angel says, fear God and give glory to him. First thing he says, the first two words of the first angel's message are fear God. How important is that? Most people fear man before they'll fear God. Most people do what they do because of what people will think of them. Uh, I, Daryl, it's Daryl, right? You talked about that during, during Sabbath school today. That uh, was it Zedekiah. He, before the Babylonian armies came and destroyed Jerusalem, he was following his counselors. He was following his advisors. When the prophet was in the pit in prison appealing to his conscience what to do. So he had the voice of the prophet ringing in his mind and he had all the advisors around him telling him what to do. And he chose to follow his advisors instead of the prophet and it was a disaster. And that's a, a, just a basic illustration of the way it is with With most of us, I would say with all of us, at least some of the time in our lives, we choose to follow what so-and-so thinks. Family members, church friends, or non-church friends, peers, they influence us more than God does. And the first angel's message gets right to the heart of that right away and says, that's got to change. If you're gonna be ready for Jesus to come when he returns at the end of the three angels' messages, the very first thing that has to be done in your life is that you need to realize that God is number one for you. And until we learn that basic lesson, we're, st- we're not even in kindergarten yet of the Christian life. Sometimes as Adventists, I think, you know, we have this general view that, well, yes, we believe in the three angels' messages, we put them on business cards, they're in, in our churches, you know, they're on our marquees. But we need, to, we need to not only understand, as we're told, but we need to receive these messages. I believe that the three angels' messages are not just academic, that we're just supposed to intellectually understand them. But when we really understand them, they, they change you. They're life-changing. They, they, just, they change everything. And the very first thing we have to learn is that God should be number one. We need to put him first. What does he say? Not what does everybody else say? Not what does these traditions, these psychologies, these philosophies, these opinions. Give me one word from God, it's more important than 10,000 opinions. It doesn't matter what you say, or what I say, or what other people say at least as far as the supreme, what, what matters supremely is what the Lord says in his word. Make sense? I tell you, we gotta learn that lesson. We've gotta learn that lesson. Now it's not just fearing God, but then the next part says, give him glory. Now that totally runs counter to human nature. Our our basic human bent, and I include myself, all of us, our basic human bent is to glorify ourselves. Because we we have inherited this from the devil, from Lucifer, who who was primarily a self-exalting being. At least when he sinned, he exalted himself. Instead of God, it was him. You've probably heard this little, uh, little line, mirror, mirror, on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And Lucifer said, it's me, I'm the fairest of them all. And how much of what we do is designed to draw attention to ourselves? To glorify ourselves. God is trying to teach us that we are here not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify him. And and generally speaking, as human beings, we just don't like that idea. It it goes against the grain. We don't generally just go, yeah, wow, what a great thing. I'm, I'm here to give glory to God. We just don't like it. And it's because we're fallen. We have fallen natures. Lucifer fell. We have fallen. And the way we fall is by wanting to exalt ourselves. That's how it all happened. All the problems of this world started with an angel who wanted to exalt himself. That's how we got into this whole mess. Nobody would have died in San Bernardino a few days ago if it wasn't for Lucifer who wanted to exalt himself. The Lord has been trying to teach me this lesson. I'm just as hard headed as anybody else. And and God is teaching me, Steve, you're here to give me glory. And, and uh, you know, one of the problems why we don't like that is because our heads are naturally so big that you know we think, oh, is he just some big egotist in the sky that wants me to glorify him? Huh. <laughs> that chance, and that's the way we think of God. We don't realize how big the God of the universe is. We don't realize He holds our breath in His hand. We don't realize our heart beats because of Him. That everything that we have, all life, everything you've ever enjoyed. Everything that you are that's good, anything you've ever had that's good, your, your eternity, this whole planet is all being held up by the incredible power of God. And it is, it is actually, when we really get this right, we'll, we'll discover that it is an awesome privilege that we have as sinners in these last days of Earth's history to live in such a way that we can give glory to the king of the universe. We gotta get that. that, that to give God glory, it's fabulous, it's wonderful, it's one of the greatest things we can ever do. It can actually be fun. It can actually be enjoyable to realize that we can give him honor. You know, if, he, if he's pleased with this talk that I'm giving today when it's all over, if he's looking down, if he's pleased, and if he says to me someday, well done, good and faithful servant, you know, what an honor for me. Vonda, right? When you sing and people's hearts are touched, you know, you're giving glory to God. What a wonderful thing it is. To give glory to God. I've also been impressed. Uh, I, I want to give a sermon one time. I want to call it the moon message. The message of the moon. The moon is pretty bright. At least when it's full. right? Uh, I, my kids, we were outside uh, recently looking at looking out at the stars. It was a full moon out there. And I said, Seth, Abby, Seth is 11 and Abby is 7. And I said, where does the moon get that light from? And they didn't really know right away. And I said, the moon gets its light from the sun. In fact, the moon has, how much light does the moon really have in itself? It has no light. It's just dark. But when you see a full moon shining, it's shining because it's reflecting the light of the sun. Entirely. And so when I preach, and when you sing, and when you do anything good, you are just a reflector of the sun of righteousness. And I need to know that because if people like my sermons and they say, hey, Pastor Steve, that was a good sermon. I need to think to, I need to realize, well, hey, (laughs) you know. And don't think I just preached such a great sermon. I need to realize, thank the Lord, as a moon, I've reflected some of the light of the sun. That's what we all need. Fear God. Put him first. Give him glory. Reflect Jesus. The first angel then goes on and says, because we are living in the hour of God's judgment. It's judgment time. Some people say, oh, you Adventists, you believe in a, in a judgment before the second coming. That's uh, just your own idea. You created that idea to kind of cover for your past. You ever heard that idea? The fact is, it's right in the Bible. Right in the Bible. While the gospel is being preached, a judgment is announced before the return of Christ. See that? It's right in the Bible. Isn't it, Pastor Steve? It's absolutely, it's right there. We didn't make this up. This is not just Ellen White's idea that's in her book, The Great Controversy. She got this idea from scripture that we are living in a judgment time. God is judging us. He's looking at us, angels are looking at us. We're all being examined by a heavenly universe. That's rather an amazing thought, isn't it? We are being looked at. Now sometimes you think, wow, you know, what, how discouraging. <laughs> if I'm being judged, my whole life is being judged, am I putting God first? Do I really believe in Jesus? Am I giving Him glory? Do I put God as number one in my life? How are we gonna pass a judgment from a holy God? How can sinners pass a judgment where we are being looked at by a holy God? I'll tell you, there's only one way. And that one way is the everlasting gospel, which is in the same First angel's message. And the everlasting gospel is that Jesus, that God became a man. That God lived a holy life. That God took your sins and your pride and your selfishness and your your, uh, putting other people above the Lord and all the other catalog of the sins that we've all committed And the good news is that a holy God became a man. He is Jesus, the Christ. He's the the God-man. That the God-man took your sin, the sin of man, into his mind and into his heart because he loves us in spite of ourselves. He really does love you and he really does love me, he really does. He loves us all, he loves Ben Carson, he loves Donald Trump, he loves Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Watch that. (laughs) He loves Barack Obama, he loves the terrorists, he loves ISIS, you know these people are deceived, they're deceived. They've been sucked in to a false religion and a book that is moving them to kill people in the name of God. They're deceived. They need to know about a God-man who loves them and gave his life for them. In Islam, you really don't have any assurance of getting to heaven unless you die in jihad. If you die in jihad, then you're guaranteed you're going. That's what's moving these people is the hope of eternal life by killing the infidels. Wow. And it's on, it's on American soil. It's in San Bernardino. Who knows? It may hit right here in the near future. We don't know. We're in the last days. Jesus is our only hope. He's the hope of the world. He's the hope in the judgment. If we get on our knees... And say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I've sinned. I've I've lived for myself. I've glorified me, not you. I've done this, 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 and this. How can I stand in in the day of judgment? There's only one hope. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's a God who became a man and paid a price, an eternal price, for you and for me. And if we give our lives to him and trust the God-man, the everlasting good news, he will forgive your sins and my sin and he will wash them away in the blood that he shed on the cross. Because he loves you and he wants you in heaven with him forever. And when you get that, when you understand and receive these messages and realize how good God is, then you will realize what an honor and a privilege it is to serve him and to give him glory in these last days when it's, it's never been darker than it is right now. There's never been more delusions as there are right now. There's never been more problems as there are right now. We've never been a weaker generation than we are right now. We've never had more temptations than we have right now. And if God can get a hold of a people and change their lives and turn them around so they live for him to honor him in these last days, what a miracle, what a miracle. And this is what God is calling us to be in these last days. This is not just, you know, academic information. Oh yeah, I've known about this all my life. No, we're entering the closing scenes of Earth's history. You realize that, I hope. We are entering the closing scenes of Earth's history. And we need to be ready. We need to get out of the world, out of the devil, out of living for uh, peer pressure, going along with with everybody else. We need to get out of that. We need the first angel's message is flying in the midst of heaven, preaching to those who dwell on the earth. And God is trying to get us out of the ways of the earth and get us up into a heavenly mindset so we can get us ready for the day when Jesus comes down from the sky to take a people home. The three angels' messages will change you when you really understand them. And then the first angel says, worship. Worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea, and the springs of waters. Worship the maker of all life. The one who made the state of Oregon. Well, he didn't actually, you know, organize the territory, but all the rivers you have here, and the lakes you have here, and the mountains you have here, and the wildlife that you have here, and the beautiful things that you have here, all of these things came from God. And when you read the New Testament carefully, you discover that that the God-man is the one who made everything. The Bible says in John 1 verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world did not know him. It's the same today, the world doesn't know. It was our creator, Jesus, who became a man in Bethlehem, who took human form who lived a holy life, who took your sin and mine into his mind and into his heart and paid the price and then rose from the dead and then went to heaven and he's coming back. Get it? (laughs) May God help us. Lord, help me to get it. Help me to get it, to understand. Now, I can see my time is already going fast. And I've only gone through the first angel and there's a lot more you can study about the everlasting gospel, about fearing God, about giving him glory, about living in the judgment time, and about worshiping the creator. There's a whole lot more that you can continue to study and learn and experience just from the first angel alone. i tell you, these messages are powerful. They are Powerful. And there's not a denomination on this planet that's preaching them, except for Seventh-day Adventists. That's a fact. God has given us this message, and he's given us a prophet to point us to our calling as a people. These are facts. These are facts. Well, I'm just going to go through this briefly. We don't have time to go into the other angels. Uh, The second angel, in in depth, the second angel follows them and says that Babylon has fallen. And this is talking about false religion around the world. It's fallen away from God. All the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Don't go to the nations to look for truth. We don't need to go to Babylon. We don't need to go to all the religions of the world to try to find the information that we need to get us ready for the coming of Jesus. The Bible says that, they, that the nations and Babylon has fallen and it's drunk with the wine. And God says, come out. Come out of all that, come out of all that. That's the second angel's message. Third angel warns about the beast. Don't worship the beast. If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark in his forehead or on his hand, he will drink the wine of the wrath of God. And the little flyer that we have in that envelope that we handed you, inside that flyer is information about the beast, the second beast, and the mark of the beast, it's all right there. This is what we're called to do as a people, is to understand these things. We don't want to be beast worshipers. We want to be creator worshipers. When the Pope was here in September, it was amazing. It was just like, you know, people are are worshiping a man. A man who has a title, Pope, which means Papa, the Papa, and who is called the Holy Father. I, I prayed for the Pope the other day. I prayed for him. In fact, uh, we, we prayed for him, didn't we, Dan? We, we prayed in your car, and we prayed for Pope Francis. God loves that man. He does. He loves him. Jesus died for him. But he's not the Holy Father. There's only one Holy Father, and he's up there. We've got to get that straight. We've got to understand that well. Anyway, study more carefully about the beast, the image, the mark. That's what I did in my last seminar here. I'm not going to review all that. But one thing that has convicted me is the Bible says those who get the mark of the beast will drink the wine of the wrath of God which has poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. And I've thought about that word cup and I've realized, wow, in the garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus drink? He drank a cup. He drank the cup of the wine of the wrath without a drop of mercy. God's wrath is just. It is his full justice. It's not evil. He doesn't throw a temper tantrum. He's not bad. He's good. It's the world that's bad. God is not bad. The world is bad not him. And finally, he's going to look at all the evil in this world, and if people at the very end of time choose the beast above the creator, choose man above God, choose the ways of sin above the Lord, choose to spit in his face, instead of giving him glory, to mock him, and and blaspheme him, and hate him, him who became a man to save the world, Finally, God's justice is going to fall without a drop of mercy. If we reject mercy, there's nothing left but justice. I want you to understand that. If you reject mercy long enough, there is nothing left in store for you but justice. And you will not survive. You will not survive that. And the good news is that God is so unwilling for you to go through that, that he came down here and he took your cup himself. He suffered your justice. So he could give you his mercy. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And those who say, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm going to live for myself. Someday, they will experience the wrath of God without a drop of mercy. And that wrath will be totally and perfectly just. May God help us. This is a life or death message. Verses 10 and 11 is very clear on that. Revelation 14, verse 12, winds this up. Fourteen twelve is the last verse of the third angel. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The third angel's message concludes with the commandments and the cross. The commandments and the cross. When the mark of the beast is enforced during Earth's final hours as a last ditch global, uh, misguided solution to a global crisis, it's basically, essentially, when you peel away all the layers, the enforcement of the mark of the beast is the enforcement of breaking the law of God. That's what it is. And, And those that get the mark of the beast are basically saying we are settling in in our foreheads and in our hands that we're lawbreakers. We're settling in to breaking the law of God. It's part of us. It's part of our characters. It's just the way we are. And we're going to go right along with it. And it's going to be a disaster. And the third angel's message not only has the law, but the cross. And it it ends with the cross. It ends with the faith of Jesus. What's the last word before the period at the end of the third angel? Look at your Bible. What's the last word before the period at the end of the third angel? It's Jesus. Revelation comes from Jesus. The three angels' messages come from Jesus. The everlasting gospel is centered in Jesus and the third angel finishes with Jesus, and then there's a period. And this is telling us that the good news is that Jesus paid the price for our sins of breaking the law. Every sin of not putting God first, having idols, taking his name in vain, not keeping the Sabbath holy, not honoring our father and mother, murdering, hating, committing adultery, sexual sin pornography, stealing, lying, and coveting, not loving God with our whole heart and our neighbor as ourselves. The law has been broken by humanity and Jesus paid the price. He suffered. He suffered because a world has broken his law. He suffered over that. He suffered over you. He agonized over you. He prayed for you. He loves you. He wants you. And the third angel gives us a choice. Jesus wants to wash our sins and get us ready for heaven. But if we say, no, I don't want Jesus. I don't want you, Jesus the Christ. I don't want you in my life. I don't want my creator to lead my life. I want to lead my life. And if we settle into that, then ultimately we're, we're lost. And we'll be lost forever. And when the lake of fire hits, we'll be in the lake of fire. And we're going to burn up And God's going to cleanse this whole world of all of its sin and the devil and the angel, the evil angels and the terrorism and the sin. He's going to just clean it all out. He's going to burn it all up. It's all going to just be gone. And those who choose to go their own way, they're going down in the fire. But those who want Jesus and want to live forever and want their God, want their creator, want the God-man who gave everything on the cross, what a message and choose him, then they'll go on. They'll go on. I tell you, I'll be honest with you, it is the dumbest thing that anybody could ever do to put this life above eternity. It's the worst investment you'll ever make to invest in a dot and reject eternity. It's the dumbest, stupidest thing to do you could ever think of. And someday the world will realize that. And the good news is that you have a chance to realize that now, and to make the right choice. To make the right choice. I'm just—I need to wind this up. There's the law. There's the cross. I have a book on this called *Christ Our Righteousness* from Whitehorse Media. The law and the cross—that's what it's all about. Here's my last slide. Jesus is coming. Revelation 14, verse 4 says, I looked and behold, a white cloud. A white cloud. White represents not the color of our skin, but his righteousness. And I tell you, when the Savior comes down as King of kings and Lord of lords on a a white cloud, he's coming to get the people that have been washed, that have been cleansed, from their sins in his red blood. Just like Pastor Ron told the story about the blood that came out of his mouth. You know, the blood came out of Jesus' hands. Came out of his feet, came out of his head, came out of his back. And that blood represents his life that was given for you and for me. I'll tell you a story and then we'll finish. Uh, my family, we have morning and evening worship and we use little devotional books. And I I read a devotional. This is from one of our books, uh, December 27. It was so impressive that I thought, I'm going to Xerox this and share this in my meetings. This is just a short story, but it's true. True story. Uh, It's called Ready or Not. In the months leading up to Christmas, 1776, So we're we're going back, you know, back to the time of the beginning of America, 1776. The War of Independence was not going well for General Washington and his troops. Morale was low. Washington feared that most of his army would quit and go home. So he came up with a plan to cross the Delaware River into New Jersey on Christmas night and to surprise attack the British who would be groggy after their Christmas celebrations. So here's Washington's plan. We're gonna sneak up on the British on Christmas Eve. They're not gonna be expecting this. A loyalist farmer who was loyal to the British who lived right alongside the Delaware River spotted the first of the flat-bottomed boats carrying Washington's 2,400 men. You ever seen those, those paintings? You know, there they are on the boats, and they're moving across these flat bottom boats, George Washington, famous painting. George Washington and his troops heading toward the British camp. And the Loyalist man, he saw them coming in the mist, in the fog of the, of the night. So he quickly ran to the camp of the British commander. And the commander's name was Colonel Rawl. The uh, farmer was not allowed to talk to the colonel because he was just a farmer. They didn't let him in to talk to the colonel. The farmer scribbled a note, a warning on a piece of paper. He scribbled it down that uh, Washington's coming on the Delaware River with 2,400 men. And he gave it to an officer who rushed into the colonel's tent and handed it to the colonel. Now, what was the colonel doing at that moment? No, he wasn't sleeping. He was playing cards. He was in the midst of a poker game or some kind of a game with a group of his men. And he was so wrapped up in playing the game that he wasn't interested in the warning. So he took the note that was handed to him and he put it into his pocket because he he was enjoying a winning streak. He was winning, and he planned to read the note later. As a result, Washington's army surprised and defeated the British. That's how America, at least that was one of the, the big battles that made America America because the British were defeated because the Colonel was playing a game when he was handed a warning message that he chose to read later. Get my point? God has given us a message to get us ready for the crisis. The message is the three angels' messages. Don't put it in your pocket. Don't stuff it in a, in a drawer somewhere because we're so interested in playing games. This is life or death. Do you want to live forever or do you want this life to be all that you have? If you want to live forever, take this very seriously. Put Jesus first in your life. Realize he loves you He died for you, he created you, he created you and he died for you. And he wants you, he wants you to be with him for all eternity. Don't blow it, don't blow it. You only have one opportunity down here in this life. This is it, this is it, this is it. Make the right choice. I, I beg of you, please don't blow it. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Father, I pray that you will speak to all of our hearts. I know you're, you're doing that already. And I just pray that your voice will get louder, that you'll speak to all of us and impress us that this is it. Please, God, you love all of us. Help us to choose Jesus and the Bible and the three angels' messages and the truth in these last days. Forgive us. Forgive me. Forgive us all for our sins and get us ready for heaven, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast with Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel message with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting broadcasts just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com, or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at WhiteHorse7, or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to White Horse Media box 1139 Newport Washington 99156. Thanks for your support and may God bless your day.